Think you hate marketing? Think again. Here on the Marketing Chat Podcast, I share practical, relatable tips to make marketing easy and fun. I'm Kelly, a marketing strategist, Squarespace website designer, and founder of the Women Podcasters Academy. I'll be breaking down big ideas into actionable steps so you can get moving with your marketing with way less stress and way more fun. Today's episode is brought to you by the Women Podcasters Academy. The Academy features a full course and supportive community to help you start and grow your own podcast. You can find more information at womenpodcastersacademy.com. Welcome to episode 50 of the Marketing Chat Podcast. I started this podcast on November 5th, 2021. For the first five months, I published once a week, every Friday, and I was writing a blog post every Tuesday. In May, I switched to publishing a podcast twice a week and reserved the blog pretty much for video tutorials. I just adore podcasting. So thanks for being here on this milestone. Since I started the Women Podcasters Academy this past May, I've gotten questions both from students and colleagues about the technical details of how I did it. For example, what platform am I using? How am I delivering the course? How do I do live sessions? How do I charge for it? Basically, how did I figure it all out? Let me give you a little background first. I was an ICF certified life coach from 2010 to 2018. I did business coaching during that time too. A mere months into my coaching, I decided that I wanted to work with groups. I'd gotten my teacher certification, albeit in high school biology, in Massachusetts when I was in college. It had lapsed, but the point is that I love teaching. Even though webinars have been around since the 1990s, people weren't doing online video classes in 2010. In fact, Zoom didn't become available until 2013. So when I decided to teach a free class in 2010, I did a, wait for it, teleseminar. Oh my Lord. People would call into a conference line, sit on their phone, and listen to me teach on whatever the topic was, and I'd usually go for an hour. I'd take questions at the end, and amazingly, people stayed on until the end and actually asked questions. Participation was fantastic. I did teleseminars for free and as paid many courses until Zoom finally came out. That was a little revolution. Zoom and other online video-based software made webinar-style courses affordable for solo entrepreneurs. So I stopped doing teleseminars and switched to webinars or interactive Zoom meetings. I eventually wanted to do a proper course that included downloadable PDFs, pre-recorded video, and live sessions. I do not want to disparage the sites that I used back then because that was eight years ago and certainly they've updated their user interface. So I'll just tell you that I tried two different digital course platforms that allowed for PDF downloads and video. They both made it easy to set up a course. Students could pay for the course right in their system and get their own unique password, all as it should be. But I loathed the user interface on both platforms. They were so-so for me the teacher, but they were terrible for the student's perspective. I mean, I thought so even before asking my students for feedback. 
One was so bad that I switched from it to another partway through the course. Then I was so discouraged with the user interface of that one that I completely gave up on pre-built platforms altogether and decided to host the course on my own website. I was on WordPress then, so I had to get a bunch of plugins to create a membership site that would handle unique passwords. Then I had to create an e-commerce site to integrate with the membership site to accept payments. Then I had to integrate that with my email service provider to get my students onto my email list and create a separate list for emailing them. Then, of course, I had to build a new password-protected section of my site to hold the lessons, that is, all the videos and PDFs. Yes, this was pretty complicated, but I love a good tech challenge. I figured it out and created a digital course area that I loved. And my students loved it too, even though I had the move yet again. It was totally worth it. By the way, the live sessions I would still hold in Zoom offsite. What's wonderful about my having created my own digital course site back then is that it helped me know exactly what I wanted this time. I knew how important the user interface is to me and my students. I knew what kind of functionality I wanted. And I knew a few tools that were essential for the platform to have. I did an interview a couple of months ago with Amanda Kramer on digital course creation, link in the show notes. She gives lots of awesome information on how to be strategic in designing your course. Now, in today's episode, I'm going to share the practicalities of what I did when I created my course and community for the Women Podcasters Academy from actually writing the materials and creating the videos to picking the platform to promoting. So let's go through the basic steps I took to creating the course and community. Step one, the first thing I did was write out everything I wanted the course and community to entail. What would be included in the Women Podcasters Academy? What would members get? I knew that I wanted there to be a digital course with PDFs and videos. I also wanted an online community and weekly live sessions. I wanted all of this to happen in one integrated platform. That is, I didn't want to put the course on one platform and create a community on another platform, such as Facebook. So when you're creating a course or a community, write out everything you want to include in it first thing. This way, you'll know what features you need in a platform. This will also help with step two. Step two, I wrote out all the modules and lessons for the course. Yes, I wanted to start looking at platforms first, but I knew that I needed to get everything down on paper first. Well, Apple Pages. I needed to see how much information was going to be in the worksheets and the videos. I needed an outline, and this outline would help me determine my launch date. So step three, I set a launch date. Now that I knew how much information would be going into the worksheets and videos, I could work backward to set a launch date. I had five modules with a total of 29 lessons at that time. Each video I anticipated would be about seven minutes long. Each worksheet would be seven to 10 pages long. I figured out how much time I would realistically need to create the course, set up the platform, and promote the course and community before the official launch date. I picked my launch date, 
wrote it in my notes, and most importantly, wrote it on my calendar. Step four, I created a project management system of all the steps I would need to take. I knew this was going to be a big project with lots of steps, and I didn't want to miss anything. For smaller goals and tasks, I tracked them in my full focus planner, in Apple Notes, and as tasks in my Fantastical calendar on my Apple devices. But for this project, I used Asana. I still kept it simple. I used a simple board with columns for to-do, in-progress, and done. In the to-do column, I wrote down every little task, such as write module one, write module two, pick a platform, record module one videos, announce WPA to my list. You get the idea. I tell you, it feels so good to hit mark as complete, then slide that item from in progress to done. Step five, I started writing the worksheets. My immediate focus was on getting the worksheets done. I couldn't record the videos until I had finished the worksheets since the videos are based on the worksheets. Also, I was planning on doing a trial of a few digital course platforms. I'd need some material to upload to test them out, so I had to create at least a few worksheets and then videos. Free trials tend to be for one to two weeks, so I was going to have to start one just before the course was going to launch. That meant that I had plenty of time to get the worksheets and videos done first. So that's what I did. Step six, I converted the worksheets into PDFs. I wrote the content of my worksheets in Apple Pages, but I designed the PDFs in Adobe InDesign. I wanted the worksheets to be beautiful, not just simple PDFs that you can get by exporting from pages. InDesign is fabulous. It takes longer to format your work because you're creating text boxes, image boxes, interactive boxes, and hyperlinks, but it is so worth it. Those interactive boxes are fabulous. You don't have to take an extra step after exporting from InDesign once you use an interactive box. People will open the worksheet in Adobe Acrobat, and they can fill out the boxes right there. Perfect for worksheets. By the way, Creating the worksheets also involved using images and screenshots, so they aren't just pure text. Step seven, I wrote the video scripts. Now that the worksheets were totally done and ready to share, I needed to record the videos, but I knew that I wouldn't be able to wing it without leaving something out. So I wrote a script for every lesson based on that lesson's worksheet. I was worrying about how I'd read the scripts on camera and still look natural. I found Prompt Smart Pro Teleprompter and love it. It's easy to use. You can import files from Google Drive as well as Word. I did mine in Google. You can make adjustments to the scrolling speed of the text. I just had to find something while I was writing the scripts because I was that concerned about it. Step eight, I recorded the videos. Okay, here's a trick about recording multiple lessons in different modules. Wear one outfit per module. That way you maintain continuity throughout the whole module. If you've listened to some of my other episodes, you probably know that I highly recommend batching your tasks whenever possible. That's when you do several of the same tasks at the same time. 
For example, I try to record more than one podcast at a time. Then I will edit more than one podcast at a time. This helps you be more efficient with time management. Batching was perfect for the videos. I picked a different outfit for each module, then I recorded all the lessons in a single module in one go. It ended up taking only two days to record 32 videos, 29 lessons, plus a welcome video, a how to do the course video, and a promotional video. I recorded the videos using QuickTime on my MacBook Air. I used a Logitech Brio external camera. I was sitting at the table for the videos. So I put my Blue Yeti mic on the chair between my legs (laughs) to get better sound than my computer's external mic. And Prompt Smart Pro worked great. I hit record and QuickTime, then I hit play in Prompt Smart Pro. I had it positioned right in the middle top of the screen so it would look like I was looking at the viewer. I had my chair back a bit from the table. When you're reading from a teleprompter, it helps to be a bit farther back so that it's not as obvious that you're reading from the screen. Step nine, I edited the videos. I use Adobe Premiere Pro for editing video. It's just fabulous. One of the things that I love is that it will create a transcription, which you can then convert into captions. I did this for all of the videos. I also added opening and closing titles and music. Step 10. I started looking at digital course and community platforms. Okay, to be fair, I had already been looking. I mean, what else was I going to do when I was taking a break from writing, recording, and editing? It still wasn't time to choose anything yet, but I wanted to know what was out there. I wanted to look at features and prices. There is one platform that everyone recommends, but did I really have to go with that one, especially since it's so expensive? Step 11, I started promoting the Women Podcasters Academy. I did this while I was still creating the worksheets and the videos. I knew I was going to launch for sure. I was committed and I knew I was going to hit my launch date. First, I started telling some colleagues about what I was creating. Several people wanted to promote it as affiliates, so this let me know that I needed to add that feature to my list when deciding on a platform. I recorded seven Instagram reels on my phone. One would be the announcement. Two would be to share during the week leading up to launch day. One would be to use on launch day. And three would be to use during launch week. Then, about four weeks before launch, I announced the Women Podcasters Academy on Instagram with a reel, and I made an announcement to my email list. I featured it under the banner of my homepage with a link to a sign-up form to get notified when the WPA launched. I had a separate page for the sign-up form with a promotional video on it. And while that page was on my website, It had its own URL at womenpodcastersacademy.com. I updated my bio to read founder of the Women Podcasters Academy, and I added its URL to my email signature. I needed new business cards anyway, so I added those items there too. So again, four weeks before launch, I was still working on the content, but this was fine because most of it was done 
and I didn't need to start setting up the platform until two weeks before launch since free trials lasted only one to two weeks. Step 12, I wrote the promotional copy for the WPA course site. I didn't know what platform I'd be on yet, and I didn't know what the site would look like yet. But as I discuss in my episode called Pro Tips for Creating a New Website, link in the show notes, it's ideal to write your copy and find your images before you design your site. So that's what I did. When you write promotional sales copy, remember to focus on the benefits to the buyer. They care less about how the magic happens and more about what they get when the magic happens. Now, with a digital course, you also have to lay out exactly what they're going to get. So I spelled out the modules and the lessons. I also wrote about the community area and the weekly live sessions. The live sessions with spot coaching are a big differentiator and draw for my program. Step 13, I chose a digital course platform. Finally, right? After looking around for weeks, I had narrowed my choices down to three. I'm not going to tell you which two I did not choose. I'm sorry. I just don't want to disparage one of them. I'll say a bit more about them, though, without naming them. One of them was awesome. The only reason I didn't go with it was because it didn't have an affiliate program. I had people who wanted to promote my course as affiliates. I looked into other ways to do it, setting up an external affiliate program with that platform, but it just wouldn't work. The one that I don't want to disparage sounded good on the surface. A mentor I really like uses that platform for a community, but I didn't like the user interface. I also couldn't find a way to upload PDFs. I mean, what? I chose to go with Podia. It has an affiliate program. The price was right. The user interface is fabulous. It's super easy to set up a course and a community. You don't need to have both. You can have just one or the other, but I needed both. You can have a community and add the course for free, or you can charge an additional fee for the course. You can also sell the course on its own while still including it for free with the community. The system comes with email, which I thought at first I wouldn't use since I already use and love ConvertKit, but Podia's email is great for scheduling and sending emails just to WPA members. I mean, I could do that in ConvertKit too, since they are tagged as members, but somehow it's just a bit easier to do through Podia, and the emails look great. Their website builder is also easy and looks great. That was really important to me, of course, since I'm a website designer. It's not as beautiful as Squarespace, but it's more than acceptable. I'm happy to send people to the website and sales page. How should you pick your digital course platform? As Mandy says in my episode, Digital Course Creation with Amanda Kramer, there is no single best digital course platform. There is only best for you. It's whatever best meets your needs, your requirements, and your personal taste. So here are a few of the biggies to look at. No, I'm not saying which of these I considered. 
and I'm leaving out the one that I didn't like. Mighty Networks, Kajabi, Thinkific, and Teachable. And of course, the one I went with, Podia. When picking a platform, remember to do the free trial for at least two of them. It's really great to get a feel for a couple of them before you make a final decision. Step 14, I set up the affiliate program. This was about a week before launch, after I tried out the other platforms and landed on Podia. My affiliates had already mentioned the WPA to a few people. It's okay that they didn't have a link to send them to yet. Just mentioning it helped to prime the pump. So the week before launch, I got their affiliate links set up so that they'd be ready to share on launch day. Step 15, I chose my pricing structure. I was creating an ongoing membership site. I could have sold just the course for a lot more than what I'm selling the membership for, a shit ton more. But I want to reach more people. I want more people to have access to the course and community. Okay, for now anyway. Honestly, I may change my mind one day. Other podcasting courses I see out there cost way more or are offered just once a year. But women are looking to start a podcast in July just as much as they're looking to start in February. And I want to be there for them. So I decided to test out a model of an evergreen membership community that includes a free course. For the launch, I created a limited time founding member level. I left that open for 30 days. I included a bonus of a free one-on-one session with me. After that first month, I increased the price by $10. Well, that doubled it from $20 per month to $30 per month. I added the option of paying annually in order to get the one-on-one session. Step 16. I launched. Woohoo! Okay, jumping the gun a bit. I was promoting the WPA periodically during that month leading up to the launch, sending people to the interest form on my website. But now it was finally launch day. Doors were open. So that interest form on my website was set up with ConvertKit. It automatically tagged people as being interested in the WPA. So on launch day, I segregated my list into two segments. The first included only those who had signed up on the interest form. The other segment was everyone else and excluded people who had signed up on the interest form. I did this because I was sending these segments different emails. For the interest segment, I was sending them an email to let them know that the program they had shown an interest in was finally open for registration. This program was not new to them. They had read about it voluntarily, and they had voluntarily signed up to be notified when it went live. I got a few registrations that day from that segment, a high conversion rate for that segment. The rest of my list would get an email with more details about the WPA. They were aware of the program because I had emailed them before, but they hadn't sought it out. So they knew less than the people who had shown an interest in it. Not so many of these people registered. Of course, I promoted the program on Instagram. That's my main social media platform for my business. My affiliates sent me a few members, and I got a few members from a group I run on Facebook. Step 17, I started running the course. 
As soon as a member would join, I gave her access to module one. I didn't publish the other modules until the official first day of the program, the day of our first live session, a week and a half after the doors had opened. I did it this way to give people a chance to come in before we officially got started, but I wanted members to have something to work on right away, thus giving them access to module one. You can set up your content to be available all at once, or you can set it to drip out on a certain number of days after a member joins. So I didn't want to do it like that because I had some people joining on launch day and someone joining a week and a half later, the day before the first live session. While no one is ever behind in the WPA, I did want all founding members to have access to the modules at the same time. Podia isn't set up to let you release modules on a specific date. So I went in and uploaded modules on the day I wanted to release them. As I mentioned earlier, I do the live sessions by Zoom. We're still small enough that it's just regular Zoom. So we're all in there where we can see each other as opposed to it's being a webinar where there's no interaction unless I bring someone into the room with me. I love it this way for now. I love getting immediate feedback and being able to have members just speak up to support each other and even answer each other's questions based on their own growing experiences. Step 18, I'm continuing to promote. Since this is an evergreen program, I have to be promoting it regularly. That's a big downside of making a program evergreen. Now, I'm not constantly promoting it. In fact, I didn't really promote it at all for about a month. I take that back. As you heard at the beginning of this episode, I run a sort of ad at the beginning for the WPA. So that's the only promoting I was doing for about a month. My focus then was on running the course. I wanted to make sure my students were getting everything they needed and then some. I also wanted to pay attention to their questions and comments to see what I needed to add or change about the course. That has been invaluable. And that's a big piece of advice I have for you. Listen very closely to each and every one of your students' questions. Jot them down. You can use them to create an FAQ section, or you can use them to refine or expand your course. You could also use them to create content for your blog or podcast. So those are the basic steps to creating and launching a digital course. Yes, it's a lot. I love lists. Try not to let it overwhelm you. Follow the link to this episode on my website where you can download the transcript. Everything is laid out by number in an easy to read fashion. Thanks for being here today. You can leave comments on this episode's page on my website, link in the show notes, and I'll see you next time on the Marketing Chat Podcast.